Hello and welcome to another edition of Heart of Healthcare. My name is Dr. Jan Bonhoeffer, and these podcasts are about helping physicians restore balance in their lives so we can co-create a medical system that benefits everyone. A quick reminder that you can find more information about our nonprofit, Heart-Based Medicine, and the work we do to support healthcare professionals at heartbasedmedicine.org. Welcome to the Heart of Healthcare podcast, series two, episode six, where we asked Dr. Julie Donnelly, how can leaders learn to become self-aware, effective communicators who listen to and involve all the practitioners to create a safe, nourishing, and productive work culture? Hello again. In this week's episode of our Heart of Healthcare podcast, we are pleased to welcome Dr. Julie Donnelly, who has many years of experience as a psychiatric nurse and as an executive nurse in behavioral health. Julie has had firsthand experience in seeing the desperate need for a heart-based approach to healthcare. Now, as a professional leadership coach and author, she's passionate about helping healthcare professionals thrive. In her role, Julie challenges medical leaders to create real, long-lasting, heart-centered change. And I'm also delighted to welcome back my dear fellow podcast panelist all the way from Hawaii, Dr. Dan Dinenberg. Dan was one of the original physicians at One Medical and as a clinical instructor at UCSF, he had extensive training in functional medicine with double board certification in family medicine and integrative holistic medicine. Hello and welcome, Julie and Dan. Hello, Julie. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you so much for that introduction, Jan. Well, very honored you're, you're joining us today. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jan. Hi, Julie. Such a pleasure to be here. Excited for this conversation. Yeah, me too. Fabulous. Let's go right into this because this is really a big topic today that we want to cover. We really want to look at how leaders can make a heart-centered change to healthcare. And so, Julie, you focus on emotional intelligence and positive communication strategies to create a heart-based collegiate culture in hospitals and clinics. Could you explain your approach and some of the challenges you may encounter or you have encountered? Yeah, you know, I, I, I just want to, I want to back up a little bit and sort of, um, and just share kind of how I got here first. Um, you know, I began my career in healthcare back in the early 90s and uh, working in mental health. My first position was uh, working uh, while I was in nursing school and I worked at uh, on an adolescent unit in a psych hospital. And there were two things that I noted it, it, very early in my career. So it was a long time, long time ago. Um, one was the first was I had a horrible boss and uh, she did everything that you don't want. She incited the patients. She was commanding a uh, very top-down mentality, played favorites. She was nasty. Uh, she didn't show any emotional restraint and barked orders at people. Of course, you know, she wasn't a doctor, so she was very ineffective, um, but she was able to get away with it, uh, whatever she wanted, until someone who was very well-respected complained, and then she was finally allowed to resign. But why do we put up with that behavior? Why, where was the, why do we put up with it? And also, where was the coaching and the development and the leadership um, 
training to help her improve and to treat people better. So even though this was 30, almost 30 years ago, we face similar issues today. I learned a lot um, from that experience, that negative leadership experience. In fact, this was a defining experience for me in helping me to look for good and effective leadership. And the other um, impact of this experience, this bad leadership, was the impact it had on morale and the work environment. And of course, in this environment, there was a lot of complaining and problems that were created. And then, of course, you have to work through the problems that she created. And it was, it was very counterproductive to what we're trying to do. And so my interest uh, on this aspect of leadership, the impact of leadership on the workforce uh, led to my doctoral research on the work environment in the behavioral health setting. So of course I, I um, so when you ask about emotional intelligence and like positive communication, it brings me back to those early days and, and, um, and that fuels my passion for this topic today. So as a coach, um, it really begins with awareness, right? Uh, revealing the person to themselves. How do you show up? How do other people experience you? How do you want to show up? And what gets in the way of presenting yourself as you would like and creating the team and the work environment you wanna uh, create? As we know, emotional intelligence starts with self-awareness, recognizing the emotions and the information um, that those emotions provide you so you can take appropriate actions. So. You know, it starts with self-awareness of being aware of your thoughts, beliefs, biases, feelings, and how those inner workings are translating into our actions and producing the results we're experiencing. And of course, emotional intelligence and communication are linked because if we're not aware, then we're not going to be effectively communicating. That really resonates with me. Thank you. Um, that is uh, so important. And it's something that really, certainly for myself, was not part of my training, kind of self-awareness and how that, that it even matters how I show up was not part of my training for sure. I mean, in terms of, yes, you have to dress in a certain way and you have to behave in a certain way, but in terms of an actual self-reflective awareness training, this was completely missing. So tell us, how do you integrate this as a coach now so coming you know with your clinical experience what does this mean now when you meet people in your in your coachings right so um well through coaching and leadership development um people do learn how to self-reflect i love that word and that should be the uh part of everyone's uh leadership acumen and skill to be able to reflect upon. It does require a couple things, right? How do we improve and get better? We need to be open to exploring ourselves and open to feedback because we have blind spots and we, we can't see everything ourselves. So we have to be open to receiving that feedback from others. We need each other. We need others to support our growth. And so part of the work as a coach, obviously one-on-one, -on -one, I get to explore with that individual um, how they're showing up, what they think, but we also do assessments. We can do 360s and other things to help get a better view of that individual. But the goal, of course, is for them to start acknowledging how they're showing up and learning through their interactions with others. You know, how do other people treat them? How does 
an interaction go? How do they, can they tap into, you know, we talked about self-awareness, but, you know, emotional intelligence, self-awareness opens the door for us to regulate ourselves. But then we also need empathy to be able to step into other people's world to figure out what they are seeing and experiencing of us, not just of us, but experiencing in the moment. And so that's another big part of the conversation. From there, of course, it's how does that leader um, create a space for the team so that others can um, express themselves and um, bring their full self to work? A lot of what you do, uh, Julie, is is um, guiding leadership and to see how can leadership change culture. And sometimes in my environment, I feel that's a possibility. And yet also, um, there's a good reason to believe that top-down doesn't really work for culture change here because there, there's a lot of attachment of the leadership in how things are at the, in, currently. And particularly when it comes to kind of hierarchical structures and when it comes to um, kind of established um, cultures in an organization. Do you see that this is the future, a top-down approach, if you like, to change culture? Or do you also see that possibly a bottom-up approach might be how culture is changed in healthcare? The leader has to be on board. So it, it's not necessarily a top-down, but you do need the leader to be on board. When I walked in to being the director of nursing, I literally was handed a set of keys and said, here, have at it, <laughs> you know? So we have a lot to change because that there was no onboarding. I mean, I had to figure out the computer, the different draw. It was crazy. So, but, but when I started to assess, you know, you come in as a new leader, the first thing you do is take a needs assessment, right? What, what do we got going on here? What are the needs? What are the challenges? What's good? What's working? What's not? And uh, it was, there was a lot of challenging because, challenges because there was a lack of leadership. And so once you, once you get in there and you assess what needs to be done, and as a leader, you can do this starting over. You, you, it's called empty mind, right? Beginner's mind. You start over and you take a look at what do we have? What do we not have? What, what are people's challenges? And you open up that conversation. It's not a top down. I get to tell you how we're going to envision our culture and create it, but it is the leader's responsibility to collect sort of the participative leadership, right? Where you collect the views and, and, and maybe summarize for the group what I'm hearing is you want. And in my case, it was to be empowered, to be, um, to be respected as nurses in, in that uh, situation. They felt very disempowered. People were telling them what to do. And, and, so, and, then it, and then once you define it, then it's creating the structure around creating that. And how do, what, what are the behaviors that we need? What are they, you know, how do we, um, what do we celebrate? What do we reward? What do we say? No, we, we don't do that here. Um, like bullying, like, you know, the things that are um, not part of what we want to create. So while it's not top down or bottom up because you need buy-in from everyone, it, it has to be created together, the culture. Yeah. And I don't think that leaders pay enough attention to culture, but it is so important because without a positive culture, people leave, you know, you have turnover, you have burnout, all the problems that we're experiencing, um, loudly <laughs> through COVID, but have been existed, you know, have existed all along. I hear that, Jan, that co-creative participatory, not 
top down or bottom up, but modeling. It's literally the reflection of how Julie is explaining the self-awareness is actually coming from that needs assessment. So it's a self-awareness of the organization as she's revealing what she's uncovering with her beginner's mind to everybody. And so then everyone becomes a participant in how things can change. And I think that's a magic part of this, which is allowing innovation and creation and the excitement of like, wow, this isn't a dogmatic situation where this is how it goes. This is what we're uncovering. And this is where we want to get to. This is the intention of what we want to get to. to. And so I think, Julie, what you're saying, and you could tell me more about this, but you're modeling. You're modeling as a coach self-reflection and revealing the thoughts, the beliefs, the biases, and then you translate that into action as you involve the group. And I think that's something we've discussed within medical school training, within organizations, because what we're doing here is really trying to evolve heart-based medicine in the world and how, and we're, you know, people like you, we're seeing that they're doing it, that you're doing it. And so we're trying to understand what are these, what are these points that you are doing in order to get that? Julie, I'm really interested from there, as the culture, as the participation happens, did you notice that that started to shift within your own organization? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, and I just want to capitalize on one of the things you mentioned, you know, as you you get participation from the group, the team, the unit department, they then that then informs what the leader what is needed from the leader mm-hmm. which is very exciting you know again if the leader has to be open to it they have to be willing to receive feedback and they have to be willing to look at what's going on to see what is needed of me as the leader of this team or department um so yes absolutely i once you define it you can start to identify i like to say you need to throw out the unwritten rules and start writing the rules down for how you want people to behave within the culture. How do you want people to be treated? So one of the first things I did was I set up an onboarding for the nurses, right? So that, because if I, I mean, I, you know, yes, leaders are onboarded differently than staff, but I wanted to make sure that no one was uh, treated the way I was treated. So it starts with And I'm not, and I don't by any means want to put anybody down or pass judgment. It's just we do when people, newcomers come in, they need to be handheld and guided and welcomed and right. They can't, we can't assume after two weeks that they know their way around the place and that they know how to get over. Right. So there's those assumptions um, and um, that we need to, to, I, I think there's two things. We talked about self-awareness, but there's also then caring for others. So it is that empathy. It's stepping into that 
new person's shoes, for instance, and say, okay, how do we want to onboard a new doctor? What is it that they're going to need to be able to get up and running pretty quickly? Uh, same thing with a nurse or even a nursing assess assistant. What, what do we expect of them? Um, and then, you know, you mentioned modeling and that's absolutely correct. And once we start writing, you know, writing down the rules, putting a team, whether it's called a team charter or team rules, whatever, you set the tone for the expectations, but then you also have to hold people accountable to that. And that's why um, it's not a top down, but it does require leadership buy-in to create this sort of the environment that you want to create uh, where people can really be effective, where they learn to take care of themselves. Um, we do need to care about that as well. When we see somebody not taking the breaks, not taking care of themselves, not standing up for themselves, mm. um, that we take that moment to step into their world and care enough about them to, to, um, to bring that out of them. I, I like to say that people... They want to be great. We all want to be great, but we don't always know how to be great. So how do we learn how to do that for each other? That is so key to heart-based medicine. That kind of, you're really highlighting the importance of, of supporting and nurturing your, your colleagues, your staff, the people you work for. And I guess that transpires to the patients you care for. And yet when you come into an organization, you feel that maybe there's potential <laughs> to move in this direction. Um, apart from modeling and apart from an onboarding process where you're kind of setting the tone for the kind of teamwork that you're expecting, um, most healthcare professionals, I believe, were are working or have been working in environments that were quite kind of hierarchical and top-down and um, where there wasn't really a sense of co-creation and there wasn't really a sense of what can I do so you can be the best version of yourself. But it was more like, okay, you are here to perform a role. You have a certain duty. You have a set of sign, you know, a set of uh, uh, operating procedures you need to follow. And there's some certain algorithms that we expect you to do. And then we have a critical incident reporting system if, if you screw up. <laughs> so there's a very... Very, fairly rigorous framework here. And what do you do when people are on your team so that they are daring to actually speak up from their hearts, so they're actually daring to, to show up as human beings and not as a, as a cogwheel in the system? I often say that, you know, the work, it's what you said, right? We have regulations we have to follow. We have to do certain things. But it's, so it's not the work, it's how we do the work. Right. It's how we work together to get the work done. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, uh, healthcare is a team sport. <laughs> it's not something that we can do alone. And yet each of us need to be doing our part, right? We each have to be excel as best we can in our respective professions because it's what's needed for, for the team. So how, how do we... How do we do that? Well, again, it's about creating the space for people to speak up and because you have to make it safe for people to do so. 
And then you also have to give permission to it. So we've talked about, we have to model it. So I was always the one in the room that would raise my hand. When I coach clients, it's asking that question, you know, are you, are, are you afraid to speak up? And what's that about? Is that about you or is, it, is that about the space? And a lot of times it's not safe for people to speak up. And so we need to fix that. <laughs> you know, it has to be safe because it also prevents errors, right? When we we know that if, you know, the nurse won't say anything to the physician in the operating room, mistakes are made. And and so regard it doesn't have to be that serious. It can be a simple thing, but it doesn't matter. We need to create the space because we're all in this together, um, caring for the patients. And it is like you said, I'm really passionate about focusing on the employees because if we focus on the employees and they're happy and they're engaged and they're and sometimes we have to teach them what wellness is, you know, that, mm. that they are taking care of themselves. Then they're, and they, when they respect themselves, then they're more apt to be respectful of others, to speak up. We have to show as leaders vulnerability. Um, one of the ways that, one of the examples that I would love to see that I, that I haven't seen yet is just having either a coach or even a therapist on staff that is just to take care of the staff. So when you have these large networks, there's no, I mean, they have plenty of work. There's always going to be someone regarding work that has um, some issue with somebody else that they need to talk through. Where do they go? Where's the safe place for them to talk, to talk about this stuff? Or when an incident occurs or an event, you know, a lot of times we just, that's just part of the work. Well, no, it's trauma. It can be very traumatizing. And so where's the trauma-informed care that we, again, I, I'm from mental health care. And I assure you, even in mental health care, we weren't good at helping each other. We were good at with the patients. Um, so, um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but there are things that we can do, but it starts with self and, and we, we really need to work on caring about and for each other as well. Yeah, and I see it the same as taking care of patients from a heart-centered way. Ultimately, when I create a safe environment in which to share and I'm being really vulnerable and sharing myself, then the magic happens. Then more interaction, more deep sharing, more deep listening, and then a deeper connection to the reason that someone, and like when you think about someone on the team, so when you're talking about healthcare as a team sport, I would imagine the analogy there is everyone realizing that they're connected to their own meaning and purpose and if you're in a safe environment then you're vulnerable and you're connected to that so then you're freely sharing because it's not of you it's of this deeper purpose and it's much easier it's less egoic and it's less about ourselves and it's more about how we want to make the change or what we want to do for this particular patient and then then you're in a place where change and transformation happens so i love what you're saying julie and i'm excited about that the um, part of 
the healing the healer is really something Jan and I talk all about, but it absolutely should be in every single organization. There's no way that we in any of these organizations should be showing up without our own uh, internal support systems. I'm curious from there, like how, how does that move into the future? If we're hoping for this heart-based medicine future and this compassionate culture, what form does this take? How do you foresee from your experience moving out? How does this move into the world? There can be a disconnect between senior leaders and the frontline workers. And so that has to change. Um, they need to be, they need to understand what's really going on at the, and what are really, what people are really experiencing, not think they're experiencing. And sometimes that can be done with um, supervision with skip level. So you can have a leader that will have conversations with not their direct reports, but the direct reports of their direct reports to really understand what's going on. So I know for me, I see a future where healthcare organizations provide access to leadership development, you know, because that's really the key. That's what I'm talking about here. How do you develop into someone who, um, knows all this stuff? It's not innate, <laughs> you know, we have to learn, um, so that you know, individuals can really understand the nature of leading and how to do it well. Um, it's no longer acceptable to just wing it, and I think we've <laughs> we've done that long enough. Um, you know, we promote people because they're good at what they're doing or people like them, but there are specific skills in in leadership, um, and the future of healthcare definitely requires strong leadership. I also think that that we need to create more that coaching culture where we do care about our employees and we ask more questions and we're focused on active listening. Cultures where people can speak up about their feelings, their thoughts, their ideas to make suggestions. We need to be, you know, open to that feedback as well. We need to provide time for discussions um, about how people are really feeling uh, especially during following traumatic events. As I mentioned before, we, we don't, uh, some places will process events, but a lot of times it's just part of business and we don't take the time to allow people that opportunity to process. Um, and we really are, um, we really do need our leaders to um, show care and concern about it's sort of human leadership, right? Um, and I think, um, I think the emphasis continues on collaboration and teamwork and um, and that needs to be valued above all else. I've always cringed when I heard, when I hear someone say, oh, that person won't help me with that. Or, or oh no, that's not my patient. Wait, wait a second. Um, you know, it may not be your specific patient, but you're working here. So can you help figure out where they, you know, like, so I think, but that speaks to ownership and, and um, that ties into that passion for helping and for being a part of something bigger than yourself. And so I think those are just some of the things, you know, if we, you know, what we have now, we, the stress that we have is, is too great. The um, burnout rates, suicide rates, just all of those things, we know that. So the, the way we're working isn't working. And to create something different, I think that a lot of the 
practitioners have ideas. And so starting to ask and hear from people within the organization, each organization may set things up a little differently, but it's having that conversation. And that's why I'm so excited to be here and with the mission for, you know, and, and having read your book, because I think this is, these are the conversations that we need to be having more of. What is working? How are our people feeling? What can we do to make it better? And what do we need to stop doing? Um, so that we can eliminate the leadership or the behaviors that are not working for us. I know the Joint Commission here, in, you know, just came out with another um, or added on some standards for, for dealing with violence in the workplace. And it's just, wow, we're still having that conversation. <laughs> so clearly there's more that we need to do to have the conversations about caring and, and being compassionate and more collaborative. Um, the only other thing I would say is, is you mentioned um, what came up for me is just the power, that ego, and somehow we need to work through that so that we really do work on, it's that team mentality. Um, like each of us have our own role. No one person is better than another. You know, yes, the doctor is important, but so is the nurse, because without the nurse, you don't get the meds in the paper. You know, so everybody has their role to play. The leader is also important. Um, and so, but is it, so is the janitor, because you got to have the rooms clean. And I think there, it brings it back to just respecting one another. So I hope that um, that answers some of um, that question. Thank you. Can you give us an example here or, or maybe highlight how you deal with two particular attitudes that I feel are challenging? One is that, um, let's say, in the current hierarchy, many of us have learned that following or kind of finding ourselves, fitting ourselves into a given structure is what is required to actually co-create is something that is regarded as difficult, challenging, or at least it's not something that is required or expected from me as, as an employee. So as an employee, I feel hesitant to co-create. What do you do to help staff members to, to actually find the courage to practice having this courage and to speak up and co-create so that, that truly um, there is an environment where everybody feels safe and where everybody feels that there can they can live up to their calling ultimately. On the flip side of that same coin is the leadership and the leadership tends to um, kind of have the idea or be conceptualized in the idea of we are the ones creating the team culture. We are the ones uh, building what has got to happen. We are the ones kind of creating and crafting the team. That sometimes is difficult to let go of and to actually allow the team to really truly co-create. So here are two sides of the same coin. Do you, do you encounter this when you work with organizations? Uh, yes. And uh, in individuals uh, as well, um, experience the same issue. And I, the first thought that I had was, you know, we do what we can, right? Regardless of where you are in the organization, we do what we can. We do our own work. We make sure we're taking care of ourselves and we are respectful and we, um, you asked about how to stand up. And again, I think it's about being courageous in the ways that you can be courageous. So when you see something, you say something, you say something in a safe way to the right person, you know, in the right, in the way you can. Um, 
And I think that a lot of times it's how it's, it comes back to how you show up. So if you're not the leader and, but you have something that you want the leader to know, you do what you can, you can share privately. You can. So I think that we, we do what we can from where we can. And that would be kind of the shortest answer. And in um, your in your coachings, you actually work with the individuals on the how you actually get to achieve this. Exactly. Well, and having tough conversations. I mean, most of us aren't trained in that. And so we 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 have to be trained in that. We have to learn how to have those tough conversations. And you find the courage in order to speak up. Um, and coaching, yes, absolutely. Coaching and of course, team coaching, working with, having the leader bring you in to work on the, with the team to, to do work through some of these things. That's very powerful stuff and can certainly help move things forward in, um, in a really fabulous manner. I really love what you do. I really love your work. Um, it's really, it is so important. And to see that here is um, here are nurses speaking up and creating culture that is so much needed. Um, so when people want to find out more about your coaching, what would be the place to look? DrJulieDonnelly.com, just my name, um, D-O-N-L-E-Y.com. Fabulous. Dr. Julie, thank you so much for being on the thank show. You. And thank I you hope so you much. enjoyed the chat with uh, Julie and Dan. I'm about this really important topic and you can find more information at heartbasedmedicine.org and I deeply appreciate if you could click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on and I wish you all the best until we hear us next time. Thank you so much for joining. This has been a Heartbased Medicine production. Thanks for listening.